Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Mentors. Today, we are continuing our interview with Jalen Boone. As we last left off, Jalen talked about the various different ways that young people could become more involved with the UN. Let's jump back in. Absolutely. And I'm excited for my audience to go out and, and find those opportunities because um, I think, you know, young people are always on the lookout for a path. And out of what I've seen currently, there's so many of my peers that are just really, really passionate about um, whether it be climate change, education, women's rights. Um, and they just they have all of this energy, but they don't know where to feel it. So I'm excited for them to listen to you and um, and take your suggestions on these links. And hopefully, you know, I'll be, you know, um, I'll be or you'll be seeing them at some of these next conferences. That would be the most exciting thing to me. And, you know, you did bring up entrepreneurship and I know you have um, sustainable youth in action, which is phenomenal. I would I'm really, really curious about uh, your viewpoint on blending uh, the sustainable goals with entrepreneurship. You know, what is entrepreneurship's role in making a difference in this world? Yeah, no, it plays a vital role. And one of my heroes, uh, you know, people use the word idols. I don't use that word. But one of my heroes is um, Professor Muhammad Yunus. And I call him a hero because like, he's literally taking a risk. And that's one thing entrepreneurs have in common is their ability to take risks. And when we have consulting sessions with students, uh, we always say, you know, a part of this journey of not just building your business or project is also building you and uh, the entrepreneur itself and understanding that there are a few risks that you might have to encounter along the way. Every single entrepreneur has encountered them um, from, you know, you, you read the story about Steve Jobs and, um, or you read the story about, um, who's a guy came Reed Hastings with, with Netflix. And so, you know, everybody has had their own sort of opportunity of like, okay, we're at the cliff now. Like, what are we going to do? Um, right. And so entrepreneurship is that driving factor that Muhammad Yunus says sustains business and productivity. Um, I have this video that I'm not afraid to take off my social media, but it's a simple phrase that I just don't like charities. Growing up where I am from, we were influenced by so many different charities, uh, but we never really received any benefit. In fact, it was so many channels that those charities have to go through just to get the money where they belonged. Um, and there's a woman uh, who wrote an article about, you know, charities in Africa. Um, and it, it, it blew my mind because she's coming from like a World Bank perspective and utilizing, you know, a holistic analysis of the continent and finding that most governments, you know, had to go through uh, the money went through those governments for whether the purpose was for an African well fund project, right? Let's get some more wells. Well, they never really had any wells built. And it was just a system of, you know, loitering money and gathering it for themselves. Um, and so in that regard is why we need entrepreneurs and why we need to empower them. So what I love is Muhammad Yunus started something called the Grameen Bank. And this Grameen Bank, uh, grants uh, women, more so than men, uh, in developing countries, microloans to be able to, you know, 
sustain their business, get the materials they need, but start to actually get some productivity out of it, sell it. And then eventually those women and the payback rate, he was saying like the loan rate um, has been like, oh, well over 85%. Like they actually returned the money and they sustained themselves. And it was like a micro loan of nothing, you know? Like imagine, I, I told myself if I could just get like $100,000 like what I do is I go and I'd empower developing communities to start their own businesses uh, because you find that there's lots of talent, creativity. They don't mind taking risks because they've done that their entire lives, you know, and you see so much business that can come from whether it's looming. We saw a business in Latin America where they're eating uh, like crickets and like insects, they're like apparently healthy. Yeah, no, they shred like they they shred them, and it provides the community with the proper nutrients. Everything it's really cool. Uh, but these are social businesses, right? Businesses that are meant to impact the community, but are also self-sustaining. Uh, so when we come in terms of the SDGs, uh, those SDGs can't be, you know, they can't be tackled with an event alone or a nonprofit alone. They have to be tackled with sustainable, you know, that's exactly what it means in the word. It has to be tackled with sustainable mechanisms. Um, and I believe social business is one of the most important in that equation. Yeah, and you know, I really do like what you said in terms of charity. Um, I had another guest on uh, quite a bit ago and her mother, ran a charity and she said it was really frustrating because sometimes depending like especially when is when it wasn't a giving month like december um sometimes donations meant people didn't get to eat because someone didn't feel like giving right um so she saw that frustration and she was like you know i want to make a difference in that so she turned to entrepreneurship because money is nothing bad money is a great tool that you can use in order to empower people so by having it as a for-profit business she could generate so much more revenue and really um expand her impact globally um and and i think it's phenomenal entrepreneurship i'm so excited to see where it goes until 2030 yeah because it can, especially with, especially with how many young people are passionate and, you know, I've seen a bunch of my friends who um, maybe college might not be the route for them, but they've started their own business and it has something to do with uh, a greater purpose and a greater sense of self and they just really want to help the world. So it's a, it's a, it's a very growing, and very exciting time. And actually, you know, you're currently in college. You are a senior in college and a yeah. youth observer and you run your own company. Like, yeah. Oh my goodness. I, first things first, <laughs> I admire you for that. That's some dedication, Aww. but also like how, you know, how has college, has college helped you? Has college hindered you? Um, what is mm -hmm. your, you know, how do you think and feel about um, being a college student and also taking on all these responsibilities? Ooh, um, <laughs> yeah, college. Oh, where do I start? Um, okay. I will say this because I feel that it is important and um, I'm here gathering an education uh, because I can, you know, um, for decades, you know, African-Americans in the United States weren't granted proper education and what was only left was what was given, what was left over. And the fact that my ancestors fought, they bled and they died for me to be able to be at, have access to a proper education 
means that I should be here. Um, that's what it means to me, at least. So I always tell my friends, I'm like, well, do I need that degree? I probably could have fared, you know, without it, just knowing me. But mm -hmm. like, do I value it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. The, and, and so because of family. that, yeah, yeah. And because mm -hmm. of that, I, you know, I put forth, you know, my best effort, you know. And so like, I'm not just going to be here just to be here, but I'm going to do my very best. Um, and so that that means a lot to me. Um, and so whether on the topic of whether college matters or not, that's I really do think it's a conditional thing. Like my brother, um, he decided to forgo college and, you know, he's now, you know, working full time job. He has a fiance. They're getting married actually in like a week or two. That's wonderful. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he has uh, beautiful kids and. You know, like that is his version of happiness. And I know that, like, I love that for him because I know what type of person he is. Um, same thing with my sister. Like, she'll be going back to finish soon. Um, but she, too, has two beautiful children. And, like, their pathways were just different than mine. Uh, and on the basis of whether they need it or not, yeah, I, I think that's up to them. You know, like, my mom didn't have a... You know, she didn't graduate from college, but she has one of the most amazing groups of people that she works with at the hospital. And she also has her own business on the side where she does event planning and she makes all the shirts for my nonprofit and about to be making shirts for everyone else. Uh, and she's just she's loving. I can't wait till she can retire and just do that. Uh, but that's just from the skill of her hands, you know. Uh, so I believe that people you know, should go to college if they feel that it is, you know, for them. But they also have to recognize that college won't add anything that you're not willing to take in or develop yourself. You know what I mean? So like, that means like, you can get all the books in the world, but still never gather anything. It's going to be on the basis of whether you desire it or not, whether you're in college or not. College is just a tool to help you do what you could do without it. Uh, so, and uh, no, I know I tend to think like super like, but it's true, no, you know, no. like, <laughs> it, it, you know, it is seriously, it's a saying almost at my college, I, as a, not even a freshman, as a high school senior, I, you know, toured around campus privately and I asked, you know, several juniors and seniors, I said, uh, you know, what is, you know, is Ball State a good college? Should I, should I be here essentially? And they said to me. Ball State is what you make of it. If you want to go out and party every weekend from Thursday to Sunday, you can. If you want to seek out every opportunity here too, you can. And that goes, I feel like that goes with every college, right? You always have a decision. I mean, I have a stack of books in my in my dorm room and I choose, you know, to take that knowledge with me, you know, because you can mindlessly read a book. It's not that hard. It's what I do with all my textbooks. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's different. It's different when it's knowledge like that. You know, and speaking of knowledge and wisdom, you know, in your current time of being a UN Youth Observer, what has been some of the insights and wisdoms that you've gained? Um, and what would you kind of like to really share with the audience? Yeah, no, I, uh, I've gathered lots of wisdom. So let me tell you. So this process, because um, usually people always want to know, like, what's the process of becoming a youth observer? 
And uh, the process is, um, I guess if you if you've never been used to work before, it's it's ridiculous. But I mean, I've I've been used to work, so like it wasn't that bad. So it's it's just a preliminary like application, just talking about your like pathway, like why you want to do this, what you're gonna do it for. Um, you're just writing out your entire you know life, and then they get back to you uh, and they tell you to you know do a speech, right? Like you got to record a speech. You're about to talk to this and this over any topic you want. Like go ahead. And, you know, so you record a speech. Mine was a little dry, but it, it, was, <laughs> it was all right. And so you deliver this speech, like, right off the bat. And, you know, and from there, they they mark it down. And then now you're in a room full of, like, I think it was, like, five to eight people, maybe. And you're having an interview. Um, and they're just asking questions that all pertain to their fields, like, whether they're on the media team or you know, like my direct, uh, you know, program manager, uh, Anna, who like works with like doing the, um, you know, all youth engagement for UNA USA. She's amazing. Uh, but like, you know, they, they all have different questions and whatnot. Uh, and from there they did, they decide like that one. Um, and it just so happens that, you know, this year that I was that one and, I think the most fruitful part of this experience so far has been getting to learn from each and everyone in that room. Um, because after you become youth observer, it's not like inauguration day, I would say is not until UNGA, you know, it's like that event in September, but we start these briefings in August. I mean, everything from human rights specialists talk to me about human rights, media specialists, you know, like all types of people. Um, and they talk to me about different things, brief me on them. And so the first weeks, I'm just taking notes, refreshing my mind, learning new things. It is crazy. Uh, but like all of those things have been what I find to be, you know, wealth of knowledge, things that I've gathered from, you know, my time as UN Youth Observer so far, you know, uh, and I know I can call on any, any of them. You've got questions about, you know, young women and girls. I can go and uh, email M3. She's, <laughs> she's a wonderful woman. Uh, you know, you got questions about human rights. I can go and email Ryan um, or like anything, anything having to do with like youth related issues or things like that at the UN. I, I can, you know, email Anna. So like, it's pretty cool. Like the contacts I've gotten to make are, crazy um and so i will forever be grateful for uh this opportunity but also this fine network of people absolutely absolutely and you know unfortunately we're running out of time and i immensely enjoy talking to you you have a lot of insight and you know i love talking to people around my age it's awesome yeah uh, but where can everyone find you where can everyone look you up and and yeah. get in contact with you yeah, no, you can follow me um, on all channels, I believe, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at US Youth Observer um, and, you know, follow along there. Um, and even after, you know, my 10 years finished or if you're a student specifically working on, you know, a project or something you want to help get off the ground, SY is expanding outside of San Antonio this coming year to be, uh, 
United States, a national nonprofit. Um, and so we're really excited to help any student who wants it. Um, and they can get in contact with us at um, vsyaproject at gmail.com. Uh, just email us, uh, you know, who you are, what your idea is or anything. We want to help you get off the ground because, you know, quite frankly, my work as youth observer is important, but it, what's more important is what we do on our local levels. Um, and so if you're looking to become youth observer, it's really going to be a matter of what you're doing now uh, that determines what you'll do then. Uh, and so I, I'm excited. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Oh, I was <laughs> excited. I was so excited coming on. Jalen, thank you so much for being on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this interview series. I would love to know some of your best takeaways. You can find me easily on LinkedIn or Instagram just by searching Ava Wetrick, and I'll happily get back to you and have a conversation. If you really enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave a rating in iTunes. That act will compound in ways that I can't even imagine. As you have just found a mentor here, go out into the world and see who you can be a mentor to today. <laughs>